Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Okay, we ready to go there, Reg? You're all set? I like where the levels are uh, bopping, so just leave it right there. All right? And you've got Emily on the line. Yeah, okay. So we're all set. I will give you the three S's. I'll give you the um, the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give, you, I'll give you a podcast. That's our process. It's been working well for, what is it now, 271, this will be, episodes. So let's just keep it at that. Write that in the book, 271. All right. Here we go. Uh, star, smile, strong. All right. Here we go. Ready? You set? Okay. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, listening to this podcast is not your only obligation. It's your obligation to get out there and spread the word. So tell your friends, tell your family, send them a link, send them a message that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion and that little extra effort is much appreciated. You may even get a little gold star. Who knows? Also, don't forget, if you like what you hear, don't be afraid to go to the WGNRadio.com website, hit the prompt for this podcast, and you will find all previous podcasts in that vault. Now, in theory, there should they all should be there. I'm not sure if they go back to May of 2016. I hope they do. It would if they do. They it's a very messy vault. Lots of tapes just thrown around. Although I don't. I doubt if they even use tapes anymore. A lot of digital files stacked up somewhere on a server is probably more accurate. But, um, yeah, all, in theory, all 270 episodes should be there for your listening pleasure. Which can only mean one thing. Welcome to episode 271. And uh, as we uh, proceed with this uh podcast it will be posting uh i'm recording it a couple days earlier but it will be posting uh at the beginning of august and lo and behold uh when i looked at my little almanac of important dates i found out that august 1st 1981 is an important day in pop culture history so much so that I thought it would be worth to uh, worth it to actually talk about this date. I don't know if a lot of people realize it or know this date. I didn't know it. I knew it was around this time, but didn't know it was August 1st, 1981. Probably a little earlier than I thought, but uh, sure enough, um, celebrating its 40th anniversary, which makes it makes... Depending how old you are, I don't, I don't care how old you are, uh, the, to think that MTV... MTV is 40 years old this week. 
40 years old. MTV, can it possibly be that old? 40 years old? I, it's, it's hard to believe, but it is. August 1st, 1981, a very weak, fragile signal was sent to a very small cable system in New Jersey. Hardly, it was, hardly anybody even knew that it was out there. Uh, certainly the majority of people uh, in the country had no idea. And as I said, it was only in, uh, in one small cable system in New Jersey where they were testing it out. And it started with, this is rock and roll. And the first video ever shown on MTV was by the Buggles. Fittingly, the song was called Video Killed the Radio Star. And you may have heard that song, Video Killed the Radio Star. It's, uh, it turned out to be very um, prophetic because ultimately uh, MTV and video did kill the radio star. Now, MTV has changed quite a bit in the last 40 years, and so that's what I wanted to talk about. Not so much the MTV we know of today, but of that MTV that started now incredibly 40 years ago. And so to help me in um, our discussion, I thought there is no one better than uh, to talk to one of our uh, pop culture gurus who was there when the revolution started. And uh, I'd love to get her viewpoints on this because I certainly have my views I'm a little older than Emily, so we would have different, uh, uh, you know, viewpoints and perspectives of what MTV meant. So I thought that would make it fun to, to reminisce about the early days of what MTV was and to talk about what MTV is today, if anything. But so let me welcome once again to the podcast, one of our original and much beloved uh, contributors, Emily Armanetti. Hello, Emily. Hey, Jim. So, uh, can you believe MTV is 40 years old? No, and please don't tell me that. <laughs> you, know how, you know how I feel about being reminded <laughs> how long I've been around. <laughs> I, was, I was in shock. I mean, I, I knew MTV started uh, in the early 80s. I yeah. thought it was at least 82, you know, okay. not that yeah. that's any better. But, I mean, 1981 does sound like a long time ago. It, it does, yeah. yeah. But you weren't far. I mean, not too far off. Yeah, no, but when you're uh, eighty-two. Well, the thing is, though, that um, now people now, depending on how old you are, if you're listening to this, there are some people that I'm sure that if you were born certainly before 1985 or after 1985, I, I think 1985 might be a good point because I, I think 1985 was kind of the year. 85 and 86 was really when MTV was at its pinnacle in terms of its. It's real uh, hold on the culture. It remained uh, a cultural uh, touchstone and, and mover and shaker for a good portion well into the 90s. And we could talk oh, about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we could yeah. talk about, the, you know, and especially uh, many people don't even realize the importance of MTV in not only music video, which the M stands for, music, TV. But then later on, really, MTV was one of the first major broadcasters to start a reality show with the real world. Yeah. So which it, just which just had a reunion. They just yeah, had with the original had, people, New right? New York. Yeah, with all yes, yeah, so that's and that was interesting. Uh, you know. Yeah. And it, it was also I have to say I watched that and I can't even describe the nostalgia. <laughs> you know, the feeling of nostalgia, but also like some 
I guess sadness is part of nostalgia. It was a little sad, like yeah. seeing this group of people come back together and realizing how long ago that was, and yeah. thinking back to where I was at in my life then, because yeah. I was, I was, you know, I mean, I was not too much younger than the youngest person that they had. I was about around the same similar age as the youngest. They, do you remember member. when you were watching that? Do you remember what year they said the real world started? Was it ninety? Do you remember um, what it was? I think it was I think it was ninety one. Yeah, was it ninety one? Yeah, I know I, it was early nineties. I I don't know if it was ninety one or ninety two. Now that I'm thinking about it, I know this. It was my last year at home before I went to college, and so I can't remember. It might might have been the summer before I went to away to college, which would have been ninety two. So I don't know. We'd have to look at. This is something we, we you know we're going to have to uh, jump on the. Well, I'm actually spread. I'm actually doing that right now. Are you on it? How are you doing that? <laughs> well, I do have a computer yeah you have like a um you know i don't have one of those although i i just talked about this you have that you have that thing from war games in your (laughs) (laughs) now wait a minute this wait this can't be right when did it start here i'm gonna say it was summer of 92 but then i again again why did they have they just had an anniversary so yeah 92 92 92. it was 92 okay 92 yeah yeah, in fact, you know, in the last podcast I did, I just uh, explained that I might have to uh, uh, get rid of my flip phone. I heard. I listen. Yeah, I might no, have to. I although, listen to the podcast. Yeah, although I did uh, yesterday call T-Mobile to find out the, the ramifications of this um, this 4G, 5G network kind of thing. And uh, while it, it does seem like I really should finally upgrade to a smartphone, uh, yeah, you think? When I spoke to the woman uh, to get all the parameters, uh, because they are giving away, you know, some, I can get like a free phone, you know, I don't know what kind, uh, you know, some, some Samsung A32, I don't even know what that means, mm-hmm. um, and a couple other ones I might be able to get, but um, but I did mention I have a flip phone, and she said, well, she said, you know, if you really, really, you know, want to keep yourself uh, your your flip phone, there are some flip phones that will be compatible oh okay so, i thought this was though your whole del- so you didn't know this when you i didn't know this before I this was the whole it didn't really I- dawn on me that i i just figured okay the flip phone is completely you know yeah. uh you know uh, just a, an outdated uh, i mean not that anyone makes them anymore but no you know, well so they do oh well the jitterbug you know those oh. commercials for the with the old people that are touching the, you know, the big jitterbug thing. Okay, so I think what you're understanding what's happening here, right? Yeah, I know. You're one of those I know. That's people. my peer group. That's my peer group. <laughs> <laughs> it just for that for that idea. Like I said, when I when I when I when I got my latest uh, flip phone, when I my other one broke, and I I called the Sprint store, and I said, "Do you have any flip phones?" And the woman's like. Uh, I don't know. And then she came back. She says, yeah, I have one left, you know. And I said, uh, well, can you put that on hold for me? And she's like, uh, yeah, well, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people running yeah. through this phone. <laughs> yeah. And Listen, when, You're but, lucky that that girl even knows what a flip phone oh, is. Oh, I know. Oh, because... yeah, they had to bring it. Yeah, it was like, oh, it was all dusty. The box was all dusty, you know. I'm surprised she wasn't like a what? Yeah. I'm oh, yeah. Well, when I walked in, when I walked in and I said, you know, I, I, I called earlier, I think they thought some like, you know, 95-year-old guy was going to walk in. Right. Because they were like, they're like, oh, you wanted this? What do you want this for? Right. You know? Right. But uh, sure. they, then they were sure. still pointing at me. a little too young yeah. for this flip <laughs> They were still pointing at me, but for now, then yeah. for wrong reasons. But um, but yeah, so then it dawned on me that maybe they have 
flip phones that would be. So I did ask her, and she said, well, there are some. She goes, there's not many, but if you really are intent on it, I can see if we can get you a flip phone that is compatible. So I, I still, I think, you know, it's time to move on. It may be. Yeah. Also, also, it could be that you will be fighting my dad for that one, <laughs> that, that one and, flip phone. Yeah, and that doesn't make me feel good that I'm, that I'm in your dad's peer group. <laughs> I know. Just let my dad have it, okay? Yeah. No, I shouldn't. I I need to be in your peer group, not your dad's I know. peer group. This, this is the thing. You used to be in my peer group <laughs> until you until you refused to give up your flip phone, and so you know this is where we're at. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, but anyway. <laughs> So, but yeah, so there's no question, uh, you know, like I said, I was shocked to see that MTV turned 40 this this week. That's so crazy. And you have to remember, now you grew up in the suburbs of Chicago where cable television was much more available before, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago with its, with its, with its typical, uh, you know, uh, corruption and, uh, and red tape and clout. Um, you know, was very slow. I, li- I grew up in Chicago proper, and Chicago was very slow to finally okay, you know, because they had to, of course, get, you know, the, all the aldermen had to get their, their cut. So mm-hmm. there was like, you know, a, a big bake-off as to what cable companies would be allowed to service what parts of the city. So it became this big kind of, you know, uh, you know kind of money grab and stuff. So I remember I did not get cable. Chicago, at least in my neighborhood, we did not get cable until 84. Come on. Right. Yeah. Now, so that is... Oh, we we, we definitely had it before. No. And, and also, like, my, you know, my parents, my dad, well, both of my parents, obviously, they grew up in the generation where, I mean, like, a lot of stuff went down on, like, TV that they couldn't even believe. So nobody ever wanted to turn their TV off again. You know, like, right. they watch Lee Harvey Oswald right, get right, shot, yeah. right? And so, so I know that my dad, while he is not an early adopter of any technology today, right. he was, <laughs> we, we were definitely early adopters of cable. Yeah. Like, he would have gotten cable as soon as it was available in our area. Yeah, so, no, I mean, because I remember when I, you know, because I, when I went to college um, in 82 was when I, my, my freshman year, and I was on the radio station there. That's why I went to that college, because they had a radio station, and I wanted to see if I could do this and, 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 and wanted to get practical, um, you know, experience. And so it was in the suburbs, and everybody there in that area all had cable television. And they were already watching MTV. And so I remember, uh, you know, kind of feeling out of it. And then I made friends in, you know, at, at school and was able to watch cable TV with them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when I went home, because I was living at home, I was commuting. I didn't live on campus or anything. And so, I mean, I was in the dark ages. So, I mean, I remember all of a sudden, you know, everybody talking about, you know, Michael Jackson thriller. And then, and then in 83, there was, uh, you know, David Bowie had Let's Dance. You know, in that mm-hmm. whole video. And I was still, you know, getting this kind of second hand. And then if you remember, the video explosion really got, and I have to look at this too as, as to when it happened. But then if you remember, when, when videos, when MTV really took hold, then the networks 
that were still very prominent. Cable was still in its infancy. Um, you know, remember Friday night videos? Oh yes, I do. We used to watch that. Yeah, that was like on, and that was like on Channel Five on NBC because then they were. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, like on Friday nights at ten thirty after the news, then they would have an hour and a half, and they would try to at least combat or not combat because there were, you know, there were uh, commercials, but they at least wanted to get on the bandwagon to, to you know, get some of that, you know, kind of juice from from music videos. So. Um, you know, like I said, when I finally got MTV was not until a little farther down the line, whereas by that time it was already taking hold. But I, I really believe, and I don't even think that this is an over-exaggeration. And I mean, like I said, now I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, but certainly in 81, I was, when it happened, I mean, I was, what, only 17. But um, when you look at, by 1985, I, I would say 1985 is really when MTV what became an entity. When when they, I mean, do you remember watching Live Aid? Um, you know the concert. I don't know. Yeah, no, I know Live Aid. I don't remember watching it. I yeah, don't know. Well, I mean, because, I probably watched some of it. Yeah, because but... that way, because because they, you know, MTV, you know, it was it was really a, a perfect aligning of the stars. You know, music, you know, was was beginning to change. You know, the disco thing was over um, and 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 rock was kind of reestablishing itself. But it was also a post punk era after the punk movement in 79 and 80. So music in the in, in 1980, at the beginning of the 80s, was a very mixed bag. You know, you had you had, um, as I said, you had the, the last days of disco. You had rock coming back. You had heavy metal kind of coming into the fray as well as a as a more of a um, a mainstream thing. Um, you had the British imports and the British new wave. You had, like I said, this post punk, and then people forget too. You had John Travolta and Urban Cowboy. Oh, yeah. And so then the country. Oh my thing, god, I love that movie. Yeah, and then so then the country music became um you know very popular and mainstream and that's really i mean now country is is very dominant but it was really it wasn't until 1980 when country music became more of a mainstream thing because of john travolta in fact i used to always joke i would say i'm afraid of what john travolta's next movie is because whatever movie he makes becomes the new music you know, in right. 1978, he made Saturday Night Fever and disco took over. In uh-huh, 1980, yeah. he did Urban Cowboy and country music. I mean, people can't probably don't under you know, can't understand it once again, especially if you're younger. But Willie Nelson, for instance, really wasn't a mainstream star until Urban Cowboy and and that whole country music thing about you know the the you know going to the country bar and you know then what that movie wasn't it gillies wasn't that the bar um was that remember that mickey familiar. i mean my, mickey we, gilly. my parents we watched that movie so many times when i was like yeah i mean with the with the mechanical really bull and all that stuff yes but, and but, he broke his arm remember yeah breaks his arm and then he cuts his own cast <laughs> off i thought that was so cool <laughs> But my point is, that, so the eighties were the early eighties was a was kind of an odd. It's most of the beginning, the, the most of the the beginning of a decade is always a little mishmash because trends always are moving 
out and moving in, and it seems like we always go in these kind of 10-year intervals. But the 80s especially, the very beginning 80s, was, was very much of a, 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 even pop culture was trying to, to find the next thing and find its way and what was going to happen. And then the influx of technology came in, especially in the 80s, because you know, by 83 or 84, you had Apple with the, with the personal computer. But uh, the whole idea of cable television really expanded. I mean, people now, uh, I won't give out your age, but my only question is, do you remember a time before cable television? Yes, I do. I, uh, very vague memories because. But you do. You know, but you I, do I remember little, just yeah. the the three networks and and then the fuzzy and, stations. And channel thirty two. Well, yeah. And then there was channel thirty two. Yeah. And which, there were, well, there was twenty six, thirty two, yeah. and forty four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they, they and they were all yeah. fuzzy because they were on UHF, and if you didn't have a good antenna, yes. you couldn't get those in. <laughs> and so yes. you had you know two five seven, uh-huh. and then channel yeah. nine and channel eleven. Yes. And then you went to 26, 32, and 44. And that was pretty much... And and put it this way. I was so little that we were like watching the Bozo show. Right. WGN was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's how little... But people in today's world, especially with all of the access that we have to so many uh, you know, different formats of, of, of information and entertainment, I'm, I'm sure it, it feels like the dark ages or it sounds like the dark ages. At the time, we didn't feel like it was the dark ages because that was all that was available. And so it right. was, it, that's what we understood and that's what we accepted. And we, and, and, and technology didn't allow us anything else. Yeah. And really, you know, the idea of cable television, what, what's interesting as to how cable television became popular if you, you have to remember that the the reason for cable television wasn't so much that it was this new entity that would allow you to see all these new uh, and have a variety of, of entertainment options cable television as a technology was really developed because for rural areas because the over-the-air signal would not go that far and so mm-hmm. people in rural areas uh far away from the from the antenna and the transmission couldn't get transmission for for over-the-air television so the idea was we will send the same signal on a cable mm-hmm. and then this way we can send it as far as we want we just have to get a, a, a hell of a lot of cable so the idea really wasn't like, oh, we're going to um, expand your television options. It was mainly to deliver even the existing stations, as few as they were, to rural areas. But then once they realized that they had, and that word was new, bandwidth, they were like, well, wait a minute. We can, we can send a lot more information on this cable. And then yeah. that's where it started. And so... But uh, but I like I said when I, I remember um, hearing about MTV just through you know the entertainment and movie magazines that I would get you know and, and music magazines like Rolling Stone but I didn't really have access to it until '84 and mm-hmm. by that time you know Thriller had come out yeah and, and, and that was really now now you were younger but yeah. I mean were you into like Thriller and stuff like that Oh yeah. I mean, so I think Thriller came out, I want to say I was in fourth grade, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure the Thriller um, came out in either 80, like late 81, and I'll, and once again, I will go to my computer. 
<laughs> I haven't used my computer this much during a show. And yeah, um, I know you're yeah. you're like gunning it down. I don't know why you aren't on today. your bad phone, Miss Big Big. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm I'm on it already. No, 1983. Okay, because no, it says, well, it says November 82. Because you're on your Commodore 64 over there <laughs> on your dial-up. I'm just I'm on I'm on Prodigy right now. I'm on I'm on Prodigy right now. It was not, so the Thriller album was released in 1983. No, no. Well, and no, no. Well, know. it was released in 82, but by the time it really made an impact, it was 83. Well, this says okay. Sorry, the single, the Thriller single was released in eight, on November 2nd, 1983. Yeah. Okay. The, but the album came so out now, in November. Okay, that, you're right. The album came out in 82, and then we don't really know. I mean, that video, I'm sure there's a documentation of when the video, right. because that was a huge premiere. Like, that was huge. Oh, yeah. Because remember, it was this big, long, extended version. Oh, it was like, yeah, right? it was like 15 minutes. It was crazy. It was a whole, it was like, a, it was like watching a movie. But so like back, so I was like in fourth grade. Um, yes, I was a huge Michael Jackson. I had the Thriller album. I had a little purse. It was like a faux leather, maybe pleather, if that existed in 1983. I don't know. Did it have like and sequins it, and studs on it or no, something? No, no, no. It was just, it was like a lavender purple oh color. Oh, God. And it had the Thriller. Okay, I was trying to think. I don't even know what the word is for this. It's not silkscreen. But it was like back then in the eighties. If you went, if you went to like, you got a shirt with like a band. Yeah, like like, like yeah, like an iron-on transfer. It was like an iron-on. Yes. Okay. Right. So this, so I had this little <laughs> purse that I loved, and they ironed it on. Yes. It, well, I don't know how they did it. It was like I went to a, the kiosk at the mall, right? And you would like pick your items. So you would like pick. In this case, I picked this little purse, but you could get like a, you know, the ha- the half shirt, like right. half t shirts right. were very. I know, I know for a fact that right around the same era, <laughs> I had a pink half shirt t shirt. That there is a picture of me and my brother and my oh, sister on my vacation in like Arizona visiting our grandparents, all wearing our little con- <laughs> like not concert, but right. half shirts with our favorite. So oh, mine was my. like Duran Duran. Oh my god! I want to say my brother had Motley Crue oh. and my sister. I don't remember. Hers could have also been Duran Duran. But in any case, I'm sure we got them at the same kiosk. You could pick, like, yeah. you would pick the T-shirt. Right. And then you would pick the transfer. But it's like, see, even and there, but so, even there, like, what you just said, you know, reinforces my point. Because at, at the same time, you had Motley Crue, which was the 80s hair band. Yes. And then yes, you had yes. Duran Duran, which was the 80s, you know, new wave, uh, yeah. you know, band. And, and you had all these different kinds of... Um, uh, you know, musics, but at the same yeah. time, uh, you know, Thriller was was so important for MTV because it was the album itself was completely designed to be the phenomenon that it was. Now, nobody could have ever predicted how big Thriller got and what it was. I mean, it sold 30 or 45 million copies. I mean, it's just crazy. And it yeah. still is either number one or number two selling album of all time. Um, but the thing is that when they made that, you know, just before, if you remember, the album before Michael Jackson made was off the wall. You know, I want to yeah. rock with you. And that, so that, yeah. that, you know, that was the one that really kind of propelled him in terms of being, uh, you know, a solo artist after so many years of being with the Jackson Five. And that side, it's kind of at least gave him a new identity as a solo artist and this kind of kind of dance soul music that was different than the music 
that was being played by black uh, you know, artists at that time. It was a little more soulful, and this was a little more mix of pop and soul and dance. So it was kind of an interesting you know, kind of um, meshing of those. But Thriller, I mean, if you look, if you remember Thriller, and you remember the songs on it, when you look back at, at, the, at, the, at the songs, it was definitely made to appeal to every kind of radio format and every kind of musical taste. Because don't forget, you know, you had, uh, you know, you want to be starting something which was a real kind of hardcore funk song. Yeah. But then you had The Girl Is Mine with Paul McCartney. I know. Which was this, 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 this cornball pop thing that would get on white stations because it had Paul McCartney. You know? Well, I remember they had like that little interlude where yeah, they were oh, talking yeah. to each other. Oh, <laughs> terrible. But I mean, this was this. So this move, this album, then you had Beat It, which which yeah. was like the rock version. And that had Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. So that was appealing to the rock side. You had Paul McCartney with The Girl Is Mine to the pop side. You had yeah. Wanna Be Starting Something. And then obviously Billie Jean, which was was focused at the black and urban market with the more beat heavy kind of stuff. And then PTY. Uh, or PYT, PYT, PYT was was also another little kind of poppy thing that that kind of went over all of those because it had you know it was a pop sound it had a little uh, you know that great hook and then it had you know the the Michael Jackson kind of beat to it so well and then and then remember Human Nature which was like more of like ballad oh right then it, then really it had the ballad yeah like, exactly I forgot about that yeah so there was so every song was think about how many just. For one second, think about yeah. how many hit songs were on that you just named. Right, Those were all on one album. Like it was like every single song, maybe with the exception of one or two. Every yeah, yeah, song yeah. On that album was like a hit single. Yeah, the only ones that were not really big hits was like "The Lady in My Life" because I'm looking at the thing now, and "Baby, Baby, Be Mine." Mm-hmm. But yeah. there was "Wanna Be Starting Something," "The Girl Is Mine," "Thriller," "Beat It," "Billy Jean," "Human Nature," and "Pyt." I yeah. mean, there was only 10 songs on the album or nine songs on the album and seven were major hits. I know. It's crazy. I mean, and huge, huge, huge hits. And I mean, but my point is it was, it was, it was created and contrived to appeal to different radio f- formats. Cause in that day, that was also something that was very important. Radio play sold records. This was once again, before videos, which then later supplanted the power of radio but still in 1982 and 83 you had to get radio airplay and there was a lot of different formats so as i said this wasn't any accident that there were these many different songs that would appeal to many different radio formats so there was no question that this album if when it came out it wasn't like oh well that's a michael jackson album so it's just gonna be played on black stations it's like no, no, well, no. I mean, no, but, yeah, but but that's the way the thought was at that time. If you were if you were a black artist, the thought was that you would get played on black stations unless you had a song that was uh, was some kind of crossover that would appeal to the more white oriented top forty stations. But this one came ready made. It's like okay, you want one for the black stations? We have this. You want one for the pop stations? We have this. You want one for the rock stations? We have this. So it was already kind of manipulated that way and then with the added thing now of mtv and the visualness and michael jackson's ability to dance and that whole persona and like you're saying that the the thriller don't forget that thriller video which was like 15 minutes long 
you know, that was directed by John Landis. I mean, he 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 directed uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, no, not Ghostbusters. Oh, right. But he directed like Animal House and major movies. He was a major right. movie director who directed that. And then those dance sequences, you know, obviously. And then the makeup when he, you know, transformed oh, yeah. into the wolf. So there was so much going on that the visual took over, but the music was still able to stand on its own. I mean, Quincy Jones produced that, so it wasn't like it was some you know throwaway. This was a this was a, a very well made album that sounded good, but then when you added the visual, and what made MTV so impactful was it was on for twenty four hours. Yes, and very few commercials. So I mean, you could wake up at two in the morning and there was music on, yeah. And 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 and, and you cannot discount the visual. Now I have to ask you once again, since you were growing up right in that time, and I, I would assume by the mid eighties you were in your early teens, preteens kind of thing. So you had to have been a major like MTV Madonna. You oh, said Duran Duran. So you were right in the sweet well, spot of that. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I was not quite a teenager yet, but I have to say, like, what, I, I, I don't know. I, always, I often say this because my brother and sister and I have been into music since we were very little. And my the first concert I ever went to, I, I was nine years old. You know, like my mom had to take me. <laughs> yeah, my mom took me to and, mine too. I was twelve. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was Duran Duran. It was, oh, to give to you an Durand idea, Durand. Of what year we're talking oh. here? It was Seven in the Ragged Tiger. Time. Oh, Seven in big, the Ragged Tiger. Right. Remember oh. what a big album that was, oh, right? My God. And um, <laughs> and so and. So I was, I got into music pretty young, and part of that also could have been the influence of MTV. I mean, it did launch not that long before, you know, I'm talking like a couple of years before I went to my first concert. Um, but I, we had older cousins who were teenagers, and I think that also influenced. Like, we probably just got exposed to more music just because of that. You know, we spent a lot of time with that side of the family, and um, so we were like pretty into music from an early age. And I would say like. The, the Madonna, you know, like that whole phenomenon, you know, even like obviously Thriller, I was, I said I was in fourth grade, so I was nine years old, you know, 10 years old, I think was kind of when Madonna really started to like hit, like really come on the scene. Um, I mean, I'd have, we would have to, we, you'd have to jump on your Commodore 64 to <laughs> really nail down the dates, but like, yeah, but with, you know, between Lucky yeah, Star, like the Lucky Star, yeah, which yeah. was I mean, like, like the big, I mean, you know. Some of my first, you know, these albums are still floating around again, probably at my parents' house or some of my siblings' house. But like, I remember, I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, it's probably a collector's item, but I mean, the Like a Virgin album, oh, you know, yeah. I had that, like, I went and got that, like, I don't know what, I mean, times were different. I don't know what my parents were thinking, letting right. me buy an album <laughs> like a virgin. But like, come right. on, like I was ten years old, and honestly, every ten year old girl probably had that album. So, did you, you wear know? like the we, the bad uh, the, the Madonna oh hair God, and the like the the bra all, straps and the and the? Well, I was a little young for the bra strap phenomenon, <laughs> but the hair, right? right? The, me- the, t- the messy hair with the with right. the lace bow. So, like the the, the, the suddenly rubber. like the 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 suddenly seeking Susan look. Yes, the rubber neon bracelets, the lace gloves. Or okay. desperately, desperately seeking Susan. Desperately seeking Susan, yeah. The lace gloves. Oh, yeah. you wore the gloves? 
I mean, not like on a daily basis, but right. you, remember I went to Catholic school where we had to wear uniforms. Right, so if we ever right. got to wear, like if we ever got to dress our in our own way, like right. oh I'm sure God. for like, you know, go to a slumber party, right. we all had our jelly bracelets <laughs> and our, you know, our, our lace bows and our hair right. and stuff, you know, and the hair tees just oh. in that messy, like right. the, the way that only really Madonna could pull off, but like right. we were all trying. Okay. Right. We were trying. Oh, is that fun? But yeah. But I see mean, what, that that's was, the thing. It was like, you know, because people, like I said, this is this may sound like you know you're talking about dinosaur age, but you can't underestimate and overestimate how big. I would say that MTV really has been the most in its heyday. Not now, obviously, but in those in that period from like '81 when it started, and it, it didn't catch on right away. But certainly by 83 um, and then to the early 90s was probably, I would say, the biggest pop culture game changer influencer in history. I mean, when you think about what it has done and how it has forever changed our culture... When you, when you, whatever, whenever you go on YouTube now, there would have been no YouTube. You would not have need, you would not have seen these songs with either, you know, songs on there. The idea of, of, of viewing music was, was foreign before MTV. And the idea of even seeing your favorite performers, if you didn't see them on a TV before MTV, if you didn't see them on a television show, for the most part, you just saw their picture in a magazine. You didn't really yeah. see them performing. And, 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 and based on your age, like you're saying, you, if you didn't go to concerts, if you were young, you really never even really saw them singing the songs. You always just heard them on the radio. In fact, in the 70s, there was something called the Faceless Bands. Because there were some bands, the biggest bands in the in 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 the seventies were bands like uh, say Chicago or Kansas or some like th- these these bands that they sold millions of copies, but they could walk down the street because no one ever knew what they looked like, right? Because you never saw them, and that was a whole group of the faceless bands because they were they sold millions of copies, and yet. Aside from maybe the lead singer, because you saw them in a magazine, you didn't know who the guitarist was or who the drummer was. But when MTV came along, you know, we are visual animals. You know, we certainly react to music, audio, audio, but we react most to the visual. And when the visual was applied to music, it changed everything. And these, and, 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 and it turned, you know, you're talking about some of them people. Don't forget, I mean, in that in that period, you had like you're talking about Duran Duran, and don't forget there was Boy George, mm-hmm. you know, with his well, whole he was, that was Culture Club, yeah, Culture yeah, Club. I'm time. just saying with his uh, the yeah. uh, the uh, the androgyny look and whatever he was mm-hmm. going for. Then you had Annie Lennox, you know, with mm-hmm. Eurythmics, and she was kind yeah. of like this androgynous kind of thing. And then you had the Go Go's, and then you had Cindy Lauper that was kind of like took the Madonna look and then made it trashy and and kind of like you know thrift store. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take Madonna, for example, too, because this is a good example of what you're talking about. Like, yeah, Madonna, she was kind of around and, you know, she had some singles. But remember that it was actually her performance at the 
MTV yes. video work right. in like the 84, 85. Right. When she came out, she was in the wedding gown. She rolled around on the floor singing right. like a virgin. <laughs> right. And I, she, oh, she has told this story over the years that when, when she came off the stage, her manager basically said to her, you just ruined your career. When in fact, <laughs> that totally catapulted yes. Madonna. Yes into the stratosphere right and you know and that performance obviously without mtv you would, right. would not have had a performance like yeah. that but um for someone like madonna the visual aspect of her whole persona her whole persona right was such a huge element it was such a big part of her appeal because also like you know i love madonna i'm a huge madonna fan but we know and i think even madonna knows she's not the best singer oh right? not at all but she is an amazing performer, you know, and she like knows she's like the whole package. And she was kind of one of the first like pop stars in like our, you know, when we were growing up who kind of really got that in my, in well, my what life. she did too, though, where, where she, where she was a, a trailblazer was also, she reinvented herself with every new album. She right. reinvented yeah, her, sure. her persona and right, her how, image. So there was that desperately seeking. That would, no. Right. But none of that would have been possible. No. If there were no MTV. No. And, because and, and, you can't. Yeah. yeah. How do you get that out there? No. Like, she no, even, she knew how to use the visual. And that's what I'm saying. That it's hard now because we are such a visual society. It's hard for people that are younger to even understand how limiting things were. But once again, you, it wasn't limited because the audience was limited in what it it wanted we were limited in the technology that was available technology uh you know advances didn't come like they do now every six months you know there was a new thing every maybe two or three years where there was you know a, a, a new thing like you know we went from you know the, there was a big thing when it went from you know uh, black and white television to color television, and then my gosh, the introduce the introduction of the VCR was 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 amazing, and then the idea of the CD, you know, as opposed to vinyl. But those things well, did wait, not. You totally just skipped over the cassettes. And the <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah, that was the big that. Yeah. That for me also, like yeah. when I think about music and I think about that time, like albums, you know. I, I had a bunch of albums and they were all that, you know, I had Thriller and I had like a virgin and I, you know, and I had like some of the KTEL stuff, you know, right. they were, you know, and they had the various artist things. But then I, I also, I have like very distinct memories of, um, like the very first cassettes that I ever got. It was like Christmas. Well, yeah, and because everybody was, had a boom box early, and you were yeah, able to take right. your music with you. Yes. And like, this was like now now I'm getting into my early teens, okay? And I totally remember I made a list that like <laughs> one of my aunts was like, What do you want for Christmas? Right, right. And I was like, it was three cassettes. This is all I put on the list. It was new order substance. Oh my god. <laughs> In excess oh, kick. Kick. Right. And the bangles. Oh, oh I don't even remember which bangles. The one with Manic was. Monday on it, probably. And walk like an Egyptian. Uh, I don't know. It might have. Yeah, maybe it was that one. Yeah. And I remember being like beside myself <laughs> that when we used to exchange gifts on Christmas Eve with our family. And so my, you know, my aunt and uncle, they're like, Merry Christmas. And they give me the gift. And 
they got me all three cassettes and i was so over the moon i could not even believe it yeah well because once again it's so funny like to this day and you know the, the the interesting thing too is like i mean i still listen regularly to like new order and in excess and right. you know that's i just that's just all uh, you know it's not i mean i think a lot of people do that they listen they still listen well to, you, you listen, know, you listen oh yeah you listen but, to what you grew up but with. i also i mean i listen to but i also listen to stuff i listen to the yacht rock stuff that i was hearing in the car when i was really little that right. my parents were listening to and i listen to i listen to new music too you know i i listen to everything but you know i haven't forgotten about those and i i still you know i i haven't lost my interest in those bands but it's just so funny to me like my memory of the first cassettes that i ever got it's just like burned in my oh, brain yeah. you know well and that <laughs> was the thing like because you couldn't and that that was the thing too it's like the you know everybody today now there's all this nostalgia about vinyl and all this stuff oh it's it, it you know it, it it sounds better and the you know the tangible stuff and believe me i understand that because i used to bemoan the fact because i'm somebody that you know I, I i had i had record i had you know i had albums and i had cassettes and i even had eight tracks okay yeah. so i had everything and um and, and yeah, when when the when the CD came along, or even when the cassette came along, I would always I would always have to get the the album version and the cassette version because I always wanted to read the lyrics, and I always you know back then album art was still a big deal, so I always wanted to see what the album looked like. But then from a standpoint of convenience and portability, I wanted to have a cassette to put in my Walkman or to put in my boombox so if i was going to the beach or going somewhere else i could always take my music with me so and then the cassette yeah. was you know it, it you know the cassette you know art of the album was always smaller and the and the, the lyrics if they did put it on the cassette little uh, you know fold out you couldn't even read them even when i was you know 15 i couldn't yeah. read them they were so you know i wasn't yeah. using readers then it was just this is ridiculous so i always had like several versions of my favorite albums on all the different formats that were available because of that. But, but my point is that where MTV really made its mark was by putting that visual on it, it, it made the music just come alive in a whole different way. You were now seeing them perform. You were seeing the, the bands themselves. When you saw them on the videos, it made you want to go to the concert even more. Yeah. You know, that was what it wasn't just selling the album. It was kind of now selling. OK, now I see what they like you. You know, you, you were a young girl. So you're looking at, uh, you know, Andy Taylor and, and Simon LeBon and all those guys. And you're like, oh, my God, these are now your crushes. These are your heartthrobs oh, like, I mean, like Donny Osmond I- was, you know, <laughs> 10 years before. Well, I always say when I was nine years old, like I was convinced that I was going to marry Simon LeBon, which I'm guessing, I'm guessing he was at least, what do you think, 20 years older than me? I'm not really sure. Oh, certainly. He was in his mid-20s, definitely. But then the great irony is, and we were talking about this, like... Simon Lebon, actually, to his credit, has been married to the same woman for decades, and so and and yeah, I believe right. they're right around the same. You know, it's a very yeah. age appropriate situation. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the I, the great irony is with a lot of these rock stars, they're actually married to women that are much younger than me. Like <laughs> right. I'm too old. I would right. be too old for them now. You've but aged like, out. I, yeah. When I think about the fact that when I was nine, I thought for sure I was going to marry this thirty year old guy. Like yeah. it's ludicrous. Yeah, but that was <laughs> but, the know, thing, and it, but you know, by by applying the the the. Uh, 
you know the audio or the uh, you know the the visual to the music it 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 totally and like I said today it's hard to figure that out and then the interesting thing too is is that not only did it did it change the the way that you appreciated music because now you were watching it then that also led to in many ways kind of the the cheapening of it because then people realized you know what if you look good you don't have to have a good song you just if you yeah. look good you could sell a lot of records just by how you look so then suddenly image became because as i said before about these faceless bands if you look at most of the bands aside from someone like elton john who was you know very flamboyant but if you look at most or it's like like, like david bowie or or you know freddie mercury in the 70s but in most most of the bands in the 70s they weren't worried about their image like on stage they just wore jeans and flannels much like the way the grunge did you know you know 20 years later but yeah. suddenly during when, in the 80s with MTV that's when the fashion started too like you said you're a young girl and you were copying Madonna's fashion and that's when oh, all yeah. of a sudden you know the skinny ties for guys and then the moose hair for the girls and the guys and even like with boy george men starting to wear even makeup and and you know and and, and that whole kind of androgyny thing and you got to understand too is that What's interesting is the early days of MTV helped usher in your your Boy Georges and your your Culture Clubs and your Duran Durans and your Rhythmics and 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 all these eighties um, uh, you know like Thompson Twins and things like that because early on in Britain they did have some stations that would play videos on their television, whereas Americans. In, in America here, we didn't have a lot of video. Uh, of, yeah. You know, there there were TV shows like on 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 uh, late night TV shows in the seventies. There was one called In Concert. Another one was called uh, um, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. But they would actually perform in person. They would lip sync a lot. Yeah. But they would perform. Well, they also had like what were some of those other like with uh, what was the Danny Terrio one? Oh yeah, like yeah, like so a solid dance, gold dance oh, fever. Solid and dance fever yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But they would be but they would be performing like like uh you know variety shows. They would they would be yeah. lip syncing even on bandstand. They would perform live. They would be there. Whereas in England and in Europe, they would film these songs, these quote unquote videos, and the stations would play those. So the early days of MTV, out of pure necessity for content. They were in, in 1981, 82. They were playing mostly British bands that here no one really knew about, because yeah. that's who made the video. So you know, bands like the Police, like I said, the Buggles did this song, "Video Killed the Radio Star." No one ever heard that song here, right? Because, but it, and it wasn't even that big of a hit in England. But they had vi- they had they had much more video content. So the early days of MTV, not because they were trying to be some edgy. Uh, you know, breaking some new musical uh, boundaries out of pure necessity. It's a 24 hour, uh, it, I think initially probably commercial free or, or very few commercials, but 24 hour music, they needed pure content. Yeah. So that's why the British music that was only heard here on FM stations or maybe able to be available here on what they used to call imports. You would go to the record store and go to the import section. And that's where you would get these British albums that you couldn't get. They weren't released on 
you know, record labels in the United States that you went to the import section and that's where you found your, your culture club albums and your eurythmic albums and your, uh, you know, Duran Duran albums initially. But then when that, when those started to get empty, I mean, like Duran Duran, once again, perfect example, you know, they, they weren't that big of a hit even in England. But they had these videos, and they played them here, and suddenly, you know, girls like your age and older were like, whoa, those guys are my new crushes. Yeah, and like Rio was kind of the first Oh, right, one yeah, Rio and then Hungry Like a Wolf. Yeah, Rio was the one on the, uh-huh. uh, wasn't that the, that was the one on the sailboat, right? Yeah, they were on the sailboat, yeah. like in the jungle. Yeah, another good, perfect example. <laughs> yeah, perfect example. Here, 40 years later, I can't tell you all the words to Rio, but we're, we are remembering the visuals from that song. I know, I know. You know, and that, but that's the power of it. But it, it, so it, it really, like I said, you cannot under you know, overestimate or underestimate the the um, the impact. And then, like I said, all the stars aligned because in eighty two and eighty three, you've got Michael Jackson, as I said before, with Thriller, that's got this radio ready, all different formats, all different audience um, aimed songs. And you put the visual, and they spent money on them, and then Michael is able to do the moonwalk and all this dancing, which you always knew that he could dance, but you never really got the full impact of how much he could dance yeah. from his days you know, with the Jackson 5, and then that was such a revelation, and it was so groundbreaking. And, you know, I mean, think about it today. Those dance sequences with Michael Jackson in the middle and all the support dancers you know, on the side of him, mm-hmm. that is still used today. When you watch the Grammy Awards and they do some big dance sequence or Britney Spears or whoever like that does a big dance thing or even Jennifer Lopez on, you know, on the, um, you know, on the Super Bowl shows even today, that same format that Michael Jackson really did invent during Thriller is what we still use today. Yeah. When there's a dance sequence with music, it's the it's the it's the it's it's thriller. It's it's the same thing. It's that choreo- choreography and then obviously Madonna did the same thing, but really it was thriller and as I said before, the ability to um have songs that would relate to all those different audiences. I mean, you know, all the stars aligned. It was it was this album that was made for many audiences, and then it was this album that was visually oriented, and now you had a 24, for the first time, you had a 24-hour station that could play Thriller all day long. Yeah. That's why you got your purse. Well, yeah. <laughs> because of how you were indoctrinated, is my point. Not just because with, with you bad. thought the song was cool. You were seeing that so much that it was burning into your retinas. Yeah, it was literally the Thriller album cover that was <laughs> transferred. You know, Michael Jackson's wearing like the white yeah. suit. Oh, how And he's funny. like casually like uh, yeah, laying uh, down. leaning back right. on his elbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like I said, what uh, maybe you were a little too young to really appreciate it, but then where MTV then really switched from just being this kind of culture, you know, this pop culture cool thing that everybody, I mean, 
And then the genius was the I want my MTV slogan. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, to the point where, if you remember, you know, Dire Straits song, uh, you know, Money for Nothing starts with I want my MTV. You couldn't have, I mean, there was no question that that song wasn't going to get played on MTV. Right, yeah. Well, that that song now will forever be connected with with MTV. But that whole I want my MTV. Well, actually, that whole song was written wasn't that whole song written based on this idea right. that look at these rock stars right like, look at that yo-yo yeah. that's the way you yeah. do it you get your guitar you get you play but your was, guitar on your yeah. mtv but i think if i'm not mistaken i feel like i heard this story once and i don't know if it's true or if it's just like an urban myth or something that it was like mark knopfler or one of the band members yeah. actually the inspiration for yeah, that some song guy. they were having they were having something delivered right. like their house and they overheard the delivery guys talking yes. like about look at these guys yeah. you know well yeah, yeah. Because that was all ideas. Like we got to install microwave ov- ovens, and look yeah. at these guys—they're getting money for nothing, and their right, chicks right, are for right. free because they're ju- all they're yeah. doing is playing their guitar. And they're and look, we're working hard, and they're doing nothing, and they're getting paid millions. I mean, right, that was the whole right, idea yeah. of, of money for nothing. But yeah, yeah. But my point is, is that um, you know that that whole I want my MTV. It was a perfect slogan. It was it was short. It was to the point. And it was rebellious and edgy because really, in my view, like for instance, the only reason, it, and it was true, the only reason that I got MTV finally, that I got cable television in my house, when that guy left the house and when he put, when he plugged in my cable and I finally had it after waiting for two or three years and feeling so out of the zeitgeist. What do you think what I put on for what I for the first two weeks that I didn't watch any other stations? I yeah, mean, well, I just had my the first thing I ever watched on cable television in my house was MTV. I mean, yeah. I did want my MTV. Well, and it was genius too because they it was the artists that they had yeah. the promo. So it was like it was like Billy Idol and like the police yeah. and like Madonna saying, I want my right. MTV, you know. So it was Oh like yeah, that it was it was it was resonant. genius. Yeah. And you know, and then the, the the whole MTV, you know, logo, then they had the guy with the moon and they so you know, that whole idea of them being on the moon, they were equating MTV as being this, you know, cultural phenomenon like equating it to landing on the moon it was going to have that much so that was from the get-go right from the get-go not like it wasn't like on the 20-year anniversary of mtv they they created this campaign around the the moon landing and you know whatever it was literally from the get-go which is pretty genius yeah no i mean there were and that's what was so cool about mtv at that time it was edgy it was rebellious it was cocky and it was everything it it, it 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 totally fed into the rebellion and the the sense of freedom, the sense of something that your parents didn't understand or like or know about, which is always what is what teenagers are going for. So it it, it, it wisely marketed itself as this, you know, finally, you know, for people also find it hard to believe but or understand, but even in the 70s, as big as it made money, rock and roll was still viewed as a fad. It was still viewed as this kind of little niche music that was never mainstream music. Because you have to remember, and you were too young for this, but during the 70s, while you had Led Zeppelins and Queens and Elton Johns and David Bowies and all these people, if you watched television during that time, 
They weren't on TV. TV was still dominated by Dean Martin and Carol Burnett and Frank Sinatra and that and Don Rickles and that old guard. Mm-hmm. That was still the in Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. That was still what we saw on those other networks. I'm telling you about two, five, seven, and nine. So even though mm-hmm. rock and roll was around, it was certainly an entity, but the mainstream was still dominated by those people from the 40s and 50s. They were a little older, but they were still dominant. And what MTV did, just like the Beatles made a lot of those people irrelevant in the 60s, MTV completely shifted everything. From then on, there, after MTV, that whole era was gone because now you had rock and roll as a visual that people were reacting to those personalities, not just the music, but the personalities. The funny thing is, for all the Thompson twins and all the you know Durans and all the Billy Idols, if you look at who the biggest stars of the '80s are, when you think, when I say to you, "What's '80s music?" What do you say? What, if you if you ask me, what's '80s music? Yeah, what's the '80s music? When you think of the '80s, what do you think of? I mean, I think of new wave. Okay, like and then I think of pop, like Madonna but, and, yeah, and so, Michael Jackson. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so you say Michael Jackson, Duran Duran, you know, yeah, right, uh, you know that, that you know Howard Jones, you know Cindy Lauper, right? But you know the you know what the reality is? If you think about who sold the most albums in the eighties and who made the biggest um, impact in terms of the images and solidified their images, it was all people from the 60s and 70s. David Bowie had his biggest album ever with mm-hmm. Let's Dance yeah. in 1983. Yeah. Um, uh, Prince. Prince, his first albums came out in the late 70s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's a 70s artist. Uh, Bruce Springsteen wasn't until 1984, but his first albums came out in 1973. It was, it, you know, Genesis with, with Phil Collins. They were around in the 60s, but Genesis was huge on MTV. Yeah, for sure. So the, the irony is, as much as we think of those new wave bands, it was the 70s and 60s artists who used their already, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, established uh, personas but now they were able to be visually viewed, and people were like, whoa, these guys are cool. So the irony is for all the Thompson Twins and all the you know, uh, Tears for Fears and all those bands, really, if you look at the albums of the people that sold the biggest and that had the biggest albums of their careers, they were all 60s and 70s people mm-hmm. because those, they never had that opportunity to be visual before, but they did have a a reputation already and a persona that they were able to to put in. So, like I said, when when Live Aid was on, I mean, MTV. I remember, I remember where I where I was. I mean, they broadcast all sixteen hours of Live Aid. Right. Live well, Aid, and they can do it. Can yeah, do it. yeah, and that solidified them as now. They weren't just a place to go to see the new music, you know, whatever video or to watch a video. They were the place to go for anything about music. Oh, yeah. You know, and so that, you know, and then, as I said, 
those VJs, you know, you know, uh, Mark Goodman and JJ and, and Nina Blackwood and all those people and Ellen Hunter, and Martha Quinn, Martha Quinn, they all became instant celebrities. It was an it was an amazing alignment of the culture and technology hitting at the same time and at the same time a uh, an idea that the uh, that the audience was was ready for it. You know what I mean, and uh, yeah. and so as much as, as as like people, you know, your age or even even my age, um, we bought into that. But as I said, you got to remember, it was the yuppies, the thirty somethings that really drove that. You know what's really weird now that you're mentioning the original VJs. What's so weird now is that MTV today doesn't really play music videos exactly. anymore. As I know. As but get this, some of those original VJs are on the radio. Right. Like, on Sirius, like, yeah. On Sirius, yeah. Like Mark Goodman's on, I know. Yeah. Nina Blackwood, oh my God, I don't know what's going on with her Her voice. Yeah, did you hear her voice? Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> a lot of cigarettes yeah. being smoked still. I yeah. think I'm a little worried about, I'm worried for her health, but yeah, okay, right. that's another story. <laughs> I mean, I want to say, I think I even hear Alan Hunter sometimes oh, yeah, definitely. doing like countdowns and things. Remember Richard so, Blade? Richard Blade. Don't you remember he was the English Wait, guy? Was, but he wasn't an original. No, 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 no. I'm DJ. just saying, but he was big. Uh, he was also on, you know, on, uh, you know, the MTV sometime. You know, but he was a British guy. But he's yeah, on. But he's, he's on. Got he's, a show. Yeah, he's yeah. on First Wave. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, all those yeah all those guys are still around and they're all talking you know and they're all on the eighties channels and they're all. I mean, I kind of I wish that MTV would go back to p- playing videos and bring these guys back on TV rather than now they're. It feels a little bit like there's been this weird regression in a sense. Now well, that that's yeah. Well, that's the sad know, part. The sad radio. part is that there's no M in MTV. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, MTV is still on. But it's mostly, you know, uh, you know, clip shows or reality shows. Reality and- show. Like, I mean, I don't even know because I don't put it on. No, anymore I don't there, watch it. It at is all. really. There was a shift at one point where it felt like it really just was all reality TV. Yeah. Now so I, I think just- that when you've got, it seems like now, you know, everybody's watching YouTube, you know, and and watching all these videos with all their likes. It seems to me. And, you know, and, and, and it's still, I think it's overblown, but, you know, the younger people who are used to, you know, I think the sad part is that MTV at the same time made music very disposable because it was so ubiqu- ubiquitous. It was everywhere. It was on your TV 24 hours. And then when digital came along and it be- just became files that you just bought in the ether. And you didn't yeah. have to go out to a record store anymore and you couldn't hold the album. So I think that's what the, uh, appeal now to the a, a younger generation about vinyl is is that there is this tangibility to it that at least I can you know there's so you know most of their music they never could touch it they never could feel it they never could read lyrics and so that's the appeal of the album even though from a sound version or from a convenience I mean still the CD is much better or even you know it's, it, you, it's you still can't carry this album around with you to go to the beach or you know in your car. Um, but I would think at the same time, if if the younger generation is looking for a more tangible, tactile, real musical experience, because digital has just made it into almost nothing, it's almost perfect for MTV to come back again and play those and play videos again to get a more communal aspect. Because I mean, there was a time when, like you said earlier in our conversation. 
you knew when there was a, a MTV world premiere video. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal. <laughs> I mean, you you stayed in. Oh, yeah. And they had that whole intro, <laughs> right? the whole intro yeah. just for that one video. And everybody was home watching when Michael Jackson's Black and White came out. Everybody watched it. It was the new video. I mean, that was a yeah. big deal. And yeah. we we have so you know, and we are now such an isolated um you know, uh, uh, society and because of the internet and because of the smartphone, you know, we have so few communal cultural events anymore. You listen to what you want to listen to. You watch with you and you watch it when you want to watch it before it was on at one time and you had to watch it when everybody watched it. And we don't yeah. have that anymore. You know, your, your, your musical taste and my musical taste, I don't have to wait to listen to a radio station to hear the song I want to play before you had to, you had no other place to find that record. Right. You had to wait for the records, the radio station to play it unless you went out and bought it. Well, the other thing too, like as you know, as MTV evolved and I was now, now we're talking like college years for me. That's where we got like our pop culture news. Okay. So right. how do you think I found out that River Phoenix had died? Right. Kurt Cobain. Right. Michael Hutchins. I mean, it got to the point where, and of course, it was always like one in the morning, and you just gotten home from the bars with your friends and your roommates, and you turn on MTV, you know, and here comes Kurt Loder, right, with the with the MTV news breaking, right, news. like Kurt Loder. It got to the point where it was like any time that breaking news intro came in with Kurt Loder at like right. one or two in the morning, you were like, oh great, who died, right, you know, and they like, usually did died, right, because what else was MTV having breaking right. news at one in the morning? for you know like (laughs) it just it was a huge but that was like a you know again like talk about like you remember exactly where you were like I'm not even joking I literally remember sitting (laughs) in my apartment my sophomore year in college when they broke in to say that River Phoenix had died and then Kurt Cobain and then I mean, Michael Hutchins, I remember I was out of college by then, but again, it was like, we just got home from the bars. We're sitting around in our apartment in Wrigleyville. Right. And, you know, I mean, they, those are now that I look back at the time, you don't realize it, but you look back and you realize that those were kind of these big moments in pop culture, right? It's not like in the grand scheme of things, but certainly in pop culture. Yeah. And that was the thing. And that was to your point, that was the place where you went. And, 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 and I've joked about when we've talked about here, I always say, you know, my God, now in today's world, especially with the streaming services, you know, there's no one source, you know, there's not one place where all of the, uh, information sits, you know, in the old days, there was, you know, for television, there was the TV guide and you had the TV guide on your cocktail table that you either got from your Sunday paper or you, you, you know, subscribe to the actual TV guide. But you, that was where all the shows that were on were listed, you know, in yeah. today's world. I mean, half these shows, you know, I don't know what I'm missing because I don't even know. Like, for instance, this year I was so mad. I missed the speed, the, the spelling bee. <laughs> I love the B. Oh no. And I, you I... Know, and I and because you know it's usually on the last week of May. You know, it's over like uh uh Memorial Day weekend. 
Well, because of COVID, it was pushed into the summer. Well, yeah, these are different times. So I had no idea it was on in in July. I woke up one morning. I'm looking at my websites for my news, and it says, oh, you know, 12-year-old or 10-year-old girl wins the B. And I'm like, when was the B? (laughs) I'm like, I missed the B. You know, and it's because there is no, there is, there is so much on. It's on so many different formats on so many. Now we've got streaming, we've got cable, we've got YouTube channels, we've got, you know, and how do you keep up? And back then, to your point, MTV was the source of not even then it grew to not just music. It was movies it was everything that was important in pop culture. Yeah. You went to MTV to get the news, to get the music, and it was it was and it was all and that you can't under, you can't overplay that too. It was always on. Like you said, at one in the morning, you can come home, put on your television, and you could either get some news or you knew that there was something to watch because it was MTV and there was some and some song was going to play that you liked. Yeah. You know, and uh, like I said that you can't that that just sadly doesn't exist anymore and I don't know if MTV wants to be that anymore sadly. I wish they were because I think we could there's a void right now. There is no kind of clearinghouse. You know, there is no one spot that you right. go to and i and i really believe there's a need for that but my gosh you know it, mtv you know it came out of nowhere as i said it, it it aligned perfect and it filled that void and it really it really was important and it really if you were a young person between in the mid 80s to the mid 90s it was a, a regular part of your life yeah oh yeah for sure you know and it did influence you but it was kind of this this place where you went for information about, especially if you were into pop culture. And I mean, my God, like I said, to think that it's 40 years old is really just kind of crazy. But, and especially when you, like you said before, when you look at it now, it is, it, 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 if they do play music videos, it's for nostalgia. Yeah. And I, I don't even bother. I have no idea if they even do. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. can't tell you the last time I put yeah. on MTV. Yeah, I don't sad. even it know. It makes me a little sad. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, mm-hmm. because it's still around, and yet it's still not. But it's not around. We just assume that we cannot go there to watch anything, <laughs> anything music exactly. related anymore. Yeah, for all we know, right? they do play videos. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I'm just afraid, though, that if I try, if I, yeah, if I right. try to give it a chance, <laughs> right. I'm going to accidentally stumble upon an episode of Teen Mom. Right, exactly. And I don't need to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, and that's, yeah, know. they 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 totally sold their soul to the reality world. And the, I, the irony is that they started reality shows right. with the real world. And it was, it was a very well-made and very thought-out kind well, of it was, concept. Yes, but it was also pure. Okay? Yeah, was, right. In exactly. those early True. days, it was pure. Now, oh, yeah. people who go on reality shows, yeah. they know what yeah. people, it's scripted. Or they know what they think people want to see. Oh yeah, it's they scripted. They have producers who nudge them in directions. Yeah. And do certain things to create conflict and stuff. And so it's not pure anymore like it was, yeah. you know, and, back and, then. And, and, That's and, why it works. And it goes for the sensationalism, like you said, teen mom and, you know, 
uh, they go for the 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 outrageous Jersey Shore. I yeah, think Jersey Shore was MTV, right? Yeah, I know right. that was a while ago now. Yeah, but, and they, but they and they actually have a you know a reunion of that now. I guess no. Oh, great. Yeah. So we when, when do we? Yeah. <laughs> when do we tune in for that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't get, get a, your TV. Get, yeah. get your TV guide out, Jim. We're not going to miss the. <laughs> Can't get enough of Snooky. You've already missed the B. Okay, <laughs> you cannot miss the. <laughs> It would be devastating. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is sad because, like I said, it, uh, it, it's such a, a, you know, it's just a shadow of its former self. But that is one thing that, uh, you know, to have been there for that at its peak, at its pinnacle, and what it did and how it shaped so much of what we see today and how we enjoy or at least we how we uh, experience entertainment on all levels whether it's music whether it's movies it really did start with MTV and uh you cannot uh if if, 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 if you know, if you're at a certain age you probably don't fully appreciate it but my gosh if you were there for the sweet spot you realize what a, a a total game changer it was. It really, I mean, I, and I look back at all, you know, you could talk about, you know, Elvis on the, uh, you know, on Ed Sullivan or the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and stuff like that, you know, changing the culture. And they certainly did. There's no question about that. But yeah. I would put MTV right up there next to those kind of touchstone moments as well. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. For sure. Well, look at you. Just say, by, just for, for saying sure. for sure. Oh totally. my God! You must have been the worst Valley Girl on earth. Totally, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you still talk like that. I know. I know. I mean, I almost didn't well, hire you. I almost didn't hire you at the PR firm because of the way you talk. <laughs> you, I mean, you you can take the girl out of the eighties, I guess. But <laughs> you are Moon what Unit Armanetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, I, this was so fun to um, to reminisce, and yeah, I mean, it's so it's so funny to hear it from your standpoint, being younger, because yeah. it was. I would assume, even though you have some, you know, uh, early memories, it seems like you know you you kind of grew up with MTV, sort of in your in your real memory, kind of always being there. Oh yeah, yeah. Whereas from my standpoint, it was like this thing that I couldn't even get. Until, you know, it was almost a phenomenon. You know, I was killing myself going, you know, I mean, I'd be every I'd come to work or I mean, come to school every day and stuff. And especially working at the radio station, it was all that's all we talked about was music. And people like, oh, my God, did you see the new video for this? I'm like, "Uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) I live in Chicago. I mean, I never never forget. That's all I would have to say is I live in Chicago. We don't have cable. Oh, oh, poor, poor Elton Jim. Poor Elton Jim. Then fine, <laughs> and then forget about it. I mean, then I, I, I never saw the sun again. I was yeah. just in the basement watching MTV. I, mean, I never, like I said, <laughs> yeah. that first week, I don't think I left the house. Yeah, because I know, I think we pretty sure we got it sometime in the summer. You know, so I was, I was home from school and everything. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I left the house for a week. Yeah, just like a constant. Yeah, it like was an just, MTV. Yeah. Ivy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I swear to God. But uh, anyway, so MTV this week, 40 years ago, August 1st, 1981, MTV first sent its little fragile signal, as I said earlier at the top of the podcast, uh, to a small, it's just as a, a very, very kind of experimental thing to one small cable system in New Jersey. And who would have thought that 
two or three years later, it literally would have started a revolution. And, and, and 40 years later, while it doesn't continue to drive our, uh, our culture, it certainly had an impact and of how we live today and how we uh, consume our entertainment was clearly, clearly um, influenced by what MTV was. So, Emily, all I would uh, suggest that you do is uh, when we say goodbye, is uh, if you can, I would go back and find your, what was it? The Red Tiger, what was that? What was the name of that? Oh, the Seven and the Ragged Tiger. <laughs> go find your Seven and the Ragged Tiger program. <laughs> yeah. Go get some I'm, moose, tease your hair. Yeah. Now you can expose your bra straps. I'm going to practice my moonwalk. <laughs> Do your moonwalk. <laughs> Put those scrunchies like where didn't Madonna have like were were they bows or scrunchies in the hair? They were they were like lace bows, <laughs> like and a strip of lace. And no, wasn't like there not, like it wasn't there like, like a, a constructed lace bow? It was like a strip of lace that she tied into a bow. And wasn't there some kind of a lace top too? Well, yeah, there was a lace top. There were some lace fingerless gloves. Right. Oh, that's you know right. I mean? The fingerless gloves. That would go maybe a little bit like halfway up your forearm. And you had the midriff too, right? Oh, well, yeah. The yeah. midriff was, yeah. <laughs> and, then the, and, then the, and then the bad, and then like, weren't there like the bad white socks that went up to your ankles? She, yeah, there was <laughs> an element of like a, a white sock folded over right. and then like a, maybe a black shoe. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I think you could still rock that. Oh, without a doubt. Oh. For sure. Like, totally. <laughs> <Here we are. laughs> you know what Whatever. I will rock, though? I will say this. Tubular. I do have an MTV sweatshirt. And, really? And I, whenever I wear it, I always get a comment or a compliment. Really? On it. Yes. Now, where is that? Is, so, it, is, is it newer or older, though? It's newer. It's just was oh, like. Where did I you get remember, it? I I don't remember where I got. I mean, it's like one of these. You know, like the companies that make like fake, you yeah, know, like yeah. band T-shirts right. and yeah, things. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. It's. I want to say it's like one of those. Yeah. But I saw it and I liked it. It's just like a gray. It's very yeah. comfortable too. It's just like a gray sweatshirt with the MTV logo on it. Right. With a little look at you, you know, being all nostalgic and being all cutting yeah. edge and being all and now you can walk around and say to to the when you wear that you say do you know that MTV is forty years old? Well, yeah, and so <laughs> like I don't have my lace like right. crop top with <laughs> right. me, but I think today I will rock my MTV. Yes, you have in, to in wear all. that yes, and I put will. on your Duran Duran albums. Yes. and uh, <laughs> so what was? Do you remember what Seven and the Ragged Tiger? What was on that album? Well, was that the reflex? No, that wasn't the reflex. Yeah, I was, was like, that yes, the re- it was. Was it yes, the reflex? See, yes. I know, I know, because that's all I played on my radio show in, in yeah. college. And it was like New Moon on Monday. Oh, God. Right? New Moon on Remember? Monday. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, what else was on that album? I mean, there's a few Seven hits on that album. The Ragged um, Tiger. I mean, I, at the time... I listened to that album like oh, yeah. start to finish without, sure. you know, ever. So a lot, I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of like, I don't know what you'd call them, B-side or B-singles yeah, B right. yeah. or whatever on it. Yeah. 
I think the biggest hits were, um, yeah, the reflex. The reflex. Oh, Union of the Snake. The that Union of. Oh, that was a horrible song. You know that the what? Union of the Snake was terrible. What? Oh. For shame, oh, Elton John. Oh God, the Union of the okay, those, Snake. Okay, those are those are fighting words now. I mean, the reflex. I'll give you. But Those the oh, I remember. It's, I think that was the first song. I think that was the first single too, "The Union of the Snake." Oh, that was and so. There, pre- there was like a remix version. There was of it that was there. so pretentious. Not on that album, but there was like a remix version that you could oh. catch. Sometimes. Well, remember the, the remixes <laughs> too. Remember that those the eighty what? the dance remixes, the twelve oh, inch yeah. remixes that you would buy too, where they would extend the songs. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and put all the yeah. extra, you know, synthesizer stuff in those songs. Oh, right, yeah. Well, I, I believe that there was, yeah, there was like a version of Union of the Snake that was like that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Too funny. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our uh, stroll down uh, memory lane. I did. Do yeah. wear your MTV uh, uh, sweatshirt and. Uh, we will talk again soon. I'm glad we were able to go back to the 80s with you. And uh, stay safe, stay masked up, and uh, and Duran Duran forever. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Take care. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget, send a message, send a link. Tell your friends, tell your family that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion, and that little extra effort, is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 271. I'm Jim Toronto. I am here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.